Hello, everyone. This is Picks with the Professor, the podcast where a real statistics professor and his friends give you college football betting advice. I am said statistics professor, Professor Sides. You can follow me on Twitter at Professor Sides. Today, we're talking week nine of the 2021 college football campaign. And with me today to break down all the action is my co-host, Cousin Jared. Hello there, sir. Hello. I hope you're having a good evening, morning, whenever you're listening to this. Uh, Yeah, just glad to be here again after another great weekend of college football. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, the disclaimer at the start here, you will hear me reference the model throughout the show. So a reminder for everyone that my full power ratings are available in the Google sheet that's provided in the show's description. The difference between the two teams ratings, once you account for home field advantage, makes up what the model thinks the spread should be between them, which gives us a good idea of where there's value week to week. In the long run, this is a winning strategy. However, there are a couple caveats. First, the model is built to optimize for 130 teams, meaning it will consistently miss on a few. Further, while it does account for recent play, it doesn't know about recent injuries. So what I'll attempt to do with the course of this episode is to explain where I think the model will shine. Also note that good and bad variants will occur. So as much as I'd like to say the model will be profitable every week, unfortunately, that is not reality. The aforementioned Google Sheet contains all of the college football picks that we will make for the week, including ones that we don't get a chance to discuss during the episode. They'll also be posted on Twitter and tracked via the free bet tracking app, BetStamp. There is one more week of baseball picks that you can check out as well as those continue to be highly profitable. Links are in the episode's description. If you enjoy the show, please like, subscribe, rate, leave a review. If you'll take a little time to do that, we would be truly grateful to you for that. And so we're going to kick things off with another round of the good, the bad, and the best. Cousin Jared, what was good about week eight last week, college football? So, so good for me on week eight was definitely my performance on the totals so far this year. So I was I was going back after after this weekend, I did really well in the totals and did pretty terribly against the, the spread in a few of these games. So I went back and looked at my season uh, and on the season, I'm 30 and 18 on totals this year, which includes a four and 11 week six. And so uh, excluding week six, I'm actually 26 and seven on plays on the totals this season. So obviously, you know, that 26, seven is not sustainable. The 30 and 18 is probably not sustainable, but uh, it, it's just something that I've kind of identified here in the past few weeks. And I feel really good about it going forward. So hopefully uh, that's something that we can carry on and uh, you, the listener can benefit from that. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Yeah. You always want to identify your strengths and weaknesses as a better. And so absolutely the same thing here, identifying that strengths that way. Uh, hopefully people listening can, can feel confident when you're giving out a total that, you know, you're not going to hit all of them, but you, you've got a pretty yeah. good uh, thumb on the scale there. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, for me, what was good, uh, hat tip to Jack on this one, who is not here with us this week, but uh, his mention here, and I, I, I loved it. Talk about Kansas having that open door policy in the second half of their upset bid against Oklahoma. I mean, they needed all the fan help they could get. So I just, I love that they, you know, just announcing on the radio, basically, Hey, come down. If you're in Lawrence, let's come watch the game. Let's beat Oklahoma. Right. Um, they, they needed all the fan help they could get. They, they maybe needed everyone to have a better understanding of the rules. I don't even know if I understand the rule, right. That the, the play, if you, if you missed it, uh, fourth down, Oklahoma is going for it about midfield. The running back is stopped short. And then the quarterback gets handed the ball, takes the ball from the running back, which is, I think, illegal. I think that's a dead ball there, but I'm not even 100% sure that gets the first down. It was an incredible play. It almost backfired. That, that seems like, you know, in, in the cartoons or in a movie or something where something just so crazy happens where the refs draw all just kind of like, you know, you know, just observing the action and don't blow their whistle and like the player goes down and they're just all sitting there with you know their their jaw dropped because they're not quite sure what they just saw that's that's how I felt while watching that play you know I, I feel like I have a pretty good grasp of the rules and I was like this doesn't feel right but I don't know if it's a penalty 
speed. Yeah, like, exactly. It's that same thought. I was like, I don't think you can do that, but I don't really know if you can. And, and I saw some chatter on Twitter. I, I think it technically was illegal that that should have been ruled a dead ball, but you know, it's not reviewable. Right? I mean, that play was right. chaotic um, in yeah. general. Uh, hat tip to Oklahoma for for pulling it off there. But uh, yeah, Kansas really doing their best uh, to get all the fans in the building, and that was that was fun uh, to witness there yeah. Saturday. Um, on to the bad, uh, cousin Jared. So my bad here this week, a little bit different twist on this. Normally I have some bad beats in here for you. This one, it, it was lost, but I have a bigger point here. Um, so Colorado State, Utah State game, I had the over 55 and a half there. Felt great at halftime. Had 34 first half points there. Utah State was getting huge gains through the air. Colorado State was opening up holes on the ground that you could drive a truck through. I mean, the offenses were really dominating the first half. And then the second half came and we only got 16 points the whole second half, uh, ended up up at a total of 50, so a, a loss there. Utah State all of a sudden gave up five sacks in the second half. Colorado State was settling for field goals, wasn't getting touchdowns, and, and a really terrible one there at the end, which I'll cover later in the episode. Um, but the reason this falls into the bad for me was because I didn't learn anything. You know, sometimes you'll make the bet and you'll lose, but you'll say, hey, I was on the right side of that. Or sometimes you'll make a bet and you'll just, you know, straight out never have a chance, lost. And you say, okay, hey, I need to recalibrate my thinking on this. Here, I have no idea if I was right or wrong. The first half told me that I nailed this perfectly. The second half told me that I had no idea what I was talking about. So this was the game I think that stuck with me most throughout the weekend of I, I don't know what to make of it. So uh, Colorado State, Utah State, you somehow uh, befuddled me. I, and I, I mean, I have a lot to say to that. Uh, first off, <laughs> you, I don't even, I don't know if you watched the first half of that, but you actually could go micro level and say the same thing. I believe the first quarter had zero points and all 34 points in the first half were scored in the second quarter, if I remember correctly. And there were also so, a couple of turnovers there in the first half as well. So yeah, it was the same sort of thing. Like you said, not just the game, even in the first half, you watch the first yeah. half and it's like, I don't know which way this is supposed to be, yeah. but you make another great point here that um, is always good to think about. Like you said, when you watch a game, when you look back at it, dive into the box score, look at the turnovers, look at the yardage, right? Look at, mm -hmm. you know, did you win a game and your team got outgained? And so it's like, yeah, maybe you won, but you know, you shouldn't be overly confident about it. Just like you said, we, we want to look at these, you know, look, watch the game tape, right? Kind of mm -hmm. figuratively speaking, we're not going to watch tape on all of these games, but figuratively speaking, and, and like you said, recalibrate and say, I lost, but I was on the right side, or I lost and I, and I wasn't, and, and what's going on uh, with my line of thinking, or I won and I still wasn't on the right side, whatever it may be, right? And like you said, it's really frustrating when those games happen, and you're just like, I, I don't even know, like, it, it happened, but it didn't help me at all. You, right. you want to watch a game and feel like uh, it, it's helping you get better in some way, shape, or form, so yeah, um, yeah that's really frustrating. Uh, for me, uh, something equally frustrating and confusing is uh, this recent trend where uh, I've gotten good numbers on games evidenced by the professionals and the money backing the, you know, my side and moving the line that direction and yet it meaning nothing. The, the last two weeks, 48 games have moved in my direction after I've made the pick, after I've told you the listener or you the, the reader on Twitter, right? Here's the smart play. 48 times the, the number has moved that direction. Those picks have gone 20 and 28, which is just not what you would expect. And so many yeah. of them have crossed key numbers. Constantly we're crossing threes, we're crossing sevens, we're crossing 14s, and it's not mattering whatsoever. The, the picks where the line didn't move or it actually went against me were about 500, which is kind of what you expect. But for some reason, the picks where 
um, I, I'm on the right side of it. Everything's going well, have just not worked out. And so it's, it's bad, it's confusing. I'm hoping it's just a small sample size glitch here that we can get rid of, but the last two weeks has been really frustrating. So uh, maybe we can call this middle section the frustrating uh, along with yeah. the, with the yeah. bad. But let's close out last week's recap and leave a better taste in our mouths. Uh, Cousin Jared, what was the best thing for you about this previous week of College Football? I was really hoping Jack was going to be here for this because I think he was probably going to fight me on this one. Uh, I think he my, was, yeah. Yeah, my my best thing was Illinois and Penn State nine overtimes. Oof. So, yeah, and, and not not pretty overtimes at all. But no, when you talk about college football, like there's an inherent beauty in like how dumb some of the stuff is. I was right? going like, to say stupidity. Yeah, okay, works, yeah. There you go. So yeah. like the thing that comes to my mind is like Ralphie the Buffalo running onto the field before a Colorado game. Like in, in what world was it smart to have a Buffalo run on a football field? You know, that's something that only happens in college football, right? So this nine overtime game between Illinois and Penn State, I think fell into the same category was like, who thought it was a good idea to let these two teams play nine overtimes? Who thought it was a good idea to only do two point conversions? It's, it's just, you know, the whole thing was crazy. But the level of ineptitude just became fascinating at some point. And as I was watching it, you know, I, I sat through the LSU Texas A&M game. It was seven overtimes, you know, however many years ago that was, three or four years. And I, it was almost the same level of tension, you know, albeit not my alma mater. I, I was still very invested. I was like, oh, my gosh, can you believe they failed the two-point conversion again? You know, so it's one of those things where – even in ineptitude, college football can be great and remind you of why you love it so much. So for me, that was like far and away that the highlight of the day was that crazy nine overtime game. Yeah, we'll need to record a separate segment of, of Jack reacting to what you just said. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, uh, it was like it was like the anti red zone channel. You know, you watch red zone NFL and it's like <laughs> touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. You watch that yeah. that overtime and it was just like fail, fail, fail. Yeah. I mean, it. it, it, it I don't even know what to say about that. It, it, it yeah. drug on forever. It was the most bizarre thing I've yeah. ever seen. Yeah. I think the, the idea, of course, behind the two-point conversions was, well, if these teams are going to keep being tied, at least let things happen quickly. Let's yeah. try to get a result quickly. Yeah. If they had played full overtimes, it might have gone nine overtimes because they might have just kicked a bunch of field goals and missed a bunch of field goals and stuff like yeah. that. Too. So yeah. maybe it would have just taken longer. I don't know. But yeah, yeah. that was... And this is the first season they've had a two-point conversion thing like that, right? That's correct, yeah. Okay, yeah. and it just what are the odds of the first season of having that purposefully to shorten the game and they have a nine-overtime one? You know, uh, you know you're, the, you're the statistics yeah. guy. Maybe it's actually more likely. I'm not sure, but it just seems ironic it, to me that the point was to shorten the games and it turned into this. I think it's going to be more likely in general because you're more likely to end up with two teams who are good offensively or bad offensively. And so they do the mm -hmm. same thing because your sample size is one in each overtime versus the previous overtimes. You have more like more plays, which means you have more likelihood of a fumble right. or an interception or, or, or a 15 yard sack really derailing a drive or something. Mm -hmm. um, so it's going to be more likely to actually have them go longer, but they're still going to be shorter in time and plays, which is the right. point. But yep. yeah, it's just bizarre. And, and we will see some, we'll see some, maybe not nine, but we'll see some fives or six or sevens or something. And it'll be just as crazy, but hopefully it'll be crazy yeah. in the fun way where they are scoring and you're like yeah. as opposed yeah. to just like well and, and like you said it was it was the ineptitude of it. it wasn't just that they failed but some of the ways they failed you know people falling down and there was one pass that was like at least 10 yards out of bounds it seemed like it wouldn't even oh yeah it, he was throwing it away it's like, it's like why are you throwing it it's away like, throw, throw, like you don't want to throw an interception to the sideline because they can return it but you're throwing it to the back of the end zone like don't overthrow it that much yeah, yeah. <laughs> i mean it was 
really bad. Yeah. Um, for me, and look, this is going to sound sacrilegious because the first segment we ever did on the show was After Dark. But for me, it was actually kind of nice to not have anything After Dark. Okay, that is blasphemy. It is, it is. But it was, <laughs> it was kind of a Houston rain delay aside, right? Had it not been for the Houston rain delay, we would have actually had a pause in the action. But it was nice to get towards the end of the night at a reasonable hour and just be like, I can go to bed, no worries, right? You know, every yeah. Saturday for me, it's the do I stay up and finish this game? How late do I watch, you know, yeah. fall asleep in bed with the TV on? For this one, it was like, nope, I can just go to bed and the Hawaii game will happen and I will never know about it. So it was kind of exactly. nice just to not have that dilemma. So that was pretty nice because it's the yeah. only week of the season that that's going to happen, I believe. Usually we're going to have more of these late games. So yeah. Um, moving on to this week, as usual, all lines courtesy of Circus Sportsbook. We're going to start off with our midweek segment. This is the segment where if you're listening on Saturday morning, we are either going to look like geniuses or fools or maybe a little <laughs> bit of both. And so we'll start off Thursday night with Troy State at Coastal Carolina. Coastal Carolina is a 19-point favorite, and I have a lean on this game, so a weak pick. I'm leaning towards Troy State and all of those points. Uh, The model makes this 17. The reason why, just being a Thursday game, not really knowing what's going to happen, getting a lot of points. I think there's a small amount of value, again, given that I think the most likely scenario is 17. If it does land 17, that's a winner. So not a pick I love, but I lean there to Troy State Thursday night. And then the other Thursday game is South Florida at East Carolina. And Cousin Jared, you've got a pick for us on this one. Yeah, official play for me here. I am taking the over 56 and a half. Um, so South Florida has been kind of building a little bit of something there. They, I think they got the second year head coach, uh, used to be Clemson's offense coordinator. Uh, they acquitted themselves fairly well when they played at BYU earlier this season, got a win last week against Temple. Um, so their offense is improving. And East Carolina, when they're able to play the the game and dictate kind of the tempo of the game, uh, they like to score a lot of points. So um, I I think this one's going to go over the 56 and a half pretty easily. Okay. Okay. I've got a lean here as well. I am leaning towards South Florida and taking the eight points there. The model thinks it should only be seven. And so kind of aligned with what you were thinking there, South Florida is playing better lately. I was on the wrong side of them last week. So uh, I'm on, I'm on this side of them. I think they're moving in the right direction and I'm kind of hoping like you are for a shootout. And when you're getting eight points in the shootout, let's just let them go back and forth. Whoever gets the ball yep. last wins. And that's totally fine because plus eight's going to win in almost all those scenarios barring something wonky happening. So a lean there for for me on South Florida. Moving to Friday night, Navy at Tulsa. This is another lean of mine. I'm leaning Tulsa minus nine. The model thinks it should be 13. And so the reason I want to talk about this game specifically, the reason it's not a full normal pick for me is that Tulsa here on a Friday night having to defend the triple option is something that I'm just not really comfortable staking the full amount on that. I do like the fact that it's under 10, though, because I do think that Tulsa could easily win by 10 points. And so uh, I I think it's a lean here at Tulsa minus nine. But given the way that Navy hung in with Cincinnati last week, I'm not I'm not loving laying big numbers against Navy at this point. Well, to make you feel a little bit better, that was part of my rationale for taking the points with Navy a couple of weeks ago against Memphis on a Thursday night, and that did me no good. (laughs) Yeah. So so sticking with the model here, I I think you're going to be fine. All right. All right. And that's just a lean there for me on Tulsa uh, minus nine. And then our last Friday game, UNLV at Nevada. Nevada is a 20 and a half uh, point favorite. Uh, Cousin Jared, what is your take on this one? 
So this will be an official play for me at some point, but not as of yet. I'm really hoping this jumps back up to 21. I would like to take it there at 21, but if it drops down to 20, I'll probably grab it there. Um, so UN, UNLV has not beat Nevada in a while, but I'm going to list to you their losing margins for the past five seasons. 18, 3, 5, 7, 35, and I realized now it's the past six seasons, and four. Um, so the moral of the story is here, UNLV has usually been hot, hot garbage the past six years, okay? And Nevada has been, at, at worst, uh, an, an average Mountain West team, uh, sometimes an above average Mountain West team. And UNLV has always managed to hang into the game. It's a rivalry game. And this UNLV team, at this point, I can't believe that they haven't won a game yet because they've been playing so much better. They've been in so many of these games that they've lost this season. Um, you know, I don't think they're going to win, but I think they can keep this close like they have the past few years. So I'm going to be taking the points at some point uh, with UNLV. Okay, okay. Uh, I I'm going the other direction. I'm playing Nevada minus 20 and a half. Here's my logic on why I like Nevada here. First off, I've been on UNLV several times uh, this season. They have covered a lot, as yeah. you've mentioned. I think the numbers finally caught up to them. I think this is about mm. the right, the model makes this right at about 20 and a half. So the model puts this right on. So I think the numbers caught up to them. So you're right, UNLV is better than usual, but I think that's kind of uh, adjusted appropriately. The Vegas number is, has at least. Here's the thing though, my numbers hate Nevada. I don't really know why. They have never mm. said to play Nevada. I mentioned this last week. I was a little bit nervous. And the reason why Fresno State wasn't a best bet last week was because I was just a little bit nervous that I was biased towards Fresno just because of the Nevada factor. Mm. And of course, Fresno looks good. They're up uh, eight points late in the game and Nevada scores a touchdown with yeah. 30 seconds to go or something yeah. and then doesn't get the two-point conversion. And so thus they lose by two. And so Nevada covers still last week. So my, my fears realized that they're in a really heartbreaking yeah. fashion. Right. So to me, the reason the, the fact that the model isn't saying to fade Nevada tells me that's the play. So it's kind of convoluted reason here, but I, I like to look for these scenarios here with a model always goes one direction and all of a sudden it taps the brakes and it makes me think what's going on here. So because of that, I think Nevada is the place So a full official pick for me, Nevada minus 20 and a half, but you make an interesting point there about the number. And this is why we always tell people shop around, especially when you get to these numbers, when you end up with something around three, a lot of times books are going to have the same number. You may luck into one book having a two and a half or a three and a half and that benefiting you. But when you get to these bigger numbers, it's more likely that one book's going to offer a 20 and one a 21. And so if you like what I said and you're taking Nevada, go find that 20 because the game could easily land right on 20. If you like what Jared said there, go find you a 21 because the game could land on 21. So shop around there and, and that, that half point swing between 20 and 21 might and, make a big difference. And I think your comments there doubly apply for any time you're looking to play totals. Uh, I have noticed that those are, you know, they're much more diverse and widespread than, than the point spreads are sometimes. So the exact same thing applies for the totals. Yep. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, and moving on to the next segment, we call this Games You Care About. Back from the hiatus last week, last week we talked about the one <laughs> ton of games that you yeah. wanted. We knew something interesting would happen. We didn't know it would be quite what would be interesting, right? But yeah. it, it turned out to be true. But this one, we've got a few to get our eye on here that these are games we think you're not going to want to miss. And we'll start off this segment with Michigan at Michigan State. And if you've been a listener of any time, I think you will notice that I, I have had best bets on Michigan and Michigan State for several weeks now and been yeah. cashing left and right 
cousin Jared, you've been on those as well. Yep. A lot of those we have, I have loved these. So what I heard last week, they talked about this as a look ahead game for Michigan. It's a Michigan play Michigan state. I just, I, I went to a small panic. I thought I need, <laughs> I need my best bet on Michigan, my best bet on Michigan state. They're playing each other. Right. What, what am I going to do? And so I, I think a long time listeners here to the pod are going to be really curious to see where we both go since we've loved both of these teams. Yeah. So what's uh, what's your pick on this one? So you're right. This was heart wrenching because because I, I have, you know, both teams have been profitable for me. Um, but I, I think the play here for me uh, and it's going to be an official play under 51 and a half on this game. I, I think one of the things when we've been thinking about Michigan State's performance this year is their their offense. Their offense is different than it's been in the past. Um, and, you know, you're not going to get any uh, argument for me that Kenneth Walker, the running back, has been absolutely fantastic. Their passing game has been extremely, extremely reliant on explosive plays, and, and we've been, been the beneficiaries of that multiple times. Uh, you know, Miami comes to mind. The Rutgers game uh, comes to mind. But those explosive plays in the passing game, I think, are going to be really tough to come by against uh, Michigan. Um, and so I think this game is going to be hard fought and very close, just like it always is. Um, but I think the thing that stands out to me more than anything is I, I think both teams are going to have a hard time getting explosive plays. And I think that's going to keep this total under the 51 and a half. Yeah. And I like where your head's at there. Again, my, my model doesn't do totals. But so, uh, you know, I have no official take on that, but just hearing what you're saying, I, I think that makes a lot of sense, right? Those, those explosive plays can be something you rely on against weaker teams. You go for the deep ball 10 or 12 times, you're going to hit five, six of them. That could easily get you enough points there to run away with it. And that's what Michigan State's done. But you're right, against the Michigan defense, that is top-notch. That's going to be very difficult. I have a best bet on this one, and it's Michigan State plus four. The model thinks this should only be plus two. The plus four is key. I like the best bet at plus four. Four. If it's plus three and a half or plus three, I still would take Michigan State as an official pick, but it's not a best bet. So I don't know where this number is going to go. I've been looking into this recently, trying to collect all the data, and it turns out that about of the numbers that move off of where I take them, um, somewhere between two thirds and 75% go the direction that I think they will. So if this goes the direction I think it will, the number's going to come down, but sometimes it doesn't. And so if it, if it, if it doesn't and it goes towards, uh, actually gets bigger, I love Michigan State even more if you're getting four and a half. Um, but, but to me, four is the limit on that best bet there. I've got Michigan as a better team, but Michigan State being at home, like you said, this could be a close game. It could be a low scoring game. Uh, three gets us to the window and four is a pretty reasonable outcome Two gets us a push. So at four, this is a best bet for me. Sticking in the big 10, another game, a bigger spread, but one that I think is going to have some intrigue, even despite last week's effort by Penn State, Penn State at Ohio State, Ohio State is a 17 and a half point favorite so uh, you know Vegas kind of or, or the books I guess are a lot of East Coast so maybe we should stop saying Vegas right the, the books um, enticing you to take Penn State here with the uh, hook not just getting 17 yeah. 17 and a half so what is your take on this one cousin Jerry they can put the hook on there all they want I might I'm not taking Pitt State in this game. Uh, in fact, I, I'm not playing either either side in this game. But all I would like to do is like just call out to the college football gods and say, can we please have that Ohio State team from the Oregon game back? Like, it's really not any fun when they're starting to demolish and just mow over Big Ten teams like they've been doing for the past, you know, seven, eight, nine years at this point. Um, I'm I'm very much concerned that we're going to have one loss Ohio State team in the Big Ten championship and going to be talking about a potential playoff berth. And, you know, with how the season started, I was thinking there's no way 
that's going to happen. When Tulsa went in there and put up however many points they did on them, you know, mm -hmm. 28 or 35 points, whatever it was, mm -hmm. um, I was thinking, good, we don't have to worry about Ohio State this year, but I, I think it's all come back around and uh, we might be seeing them again in January. Yeah, for you audio only listeners out there, I, I was just nodding the whole time, kind of, <laughs> kind of sadly. I, I think you're, I think you're dead on yeah. with that take. They're looking really good. They, for a while there, it was Ohio State and Michigan were going to be the class of the East. Penn State was up there throwing their hat in their, their, you know, their hat in the ring. Michigan State was lurking and it was looking intriguing. And now Penn State's fallen off. And you know, Michigan yeah. or Michigan State will take well, a loss this week. Well, and then all of a sudden it's Ohio State at the top, right? Yeah. Well, with their performance the past few weeks, where have they landed in in your rankings? Ohio they're State. up to they're up to number two now. They've passed Alabama wow. barely at this point. So uh, and, and they're and they're closing in on Georgia. Uh, I have them about two points behind Georgia, which was is absurd. Uh, I don't know the yeah. exact week. There there was a week there when Georgia really ascended to the top, maybe week three, week four, right? Kind of in that area where you're talking about where Ohio State didn't look that good right before they really took off. Where I think I had Ohio State a full touchdown behind Georgia, and wow. all of a sudden now they're I mean they're just looking good. They keep climbing every week. So. Yeah. Uh, it's a pass for me on this game. The model says 15, but as we've talked about these top teams, the model just doesn't do really well with it. Usually just says fade them. And so I'm not going to, I'm not going to fade a team when I know the model is going to always say fade them. It doesn't really know exactly how far to, to put them out there. So uh, further, the model usually tends to like Penn state this year, even though um, they've been kind of up and down. So it, it's a pass for me, even though the model says 15, you know, you look at what the number says and you might think, oh, it takes 17 and a half. I, I think it's just like we talked about with Alabama, Tennessee last week, where the model said Tennessee made more sense. But I was like, that's not the side yeah. you want to be on. Just like you said here, they can give you the hook. I need a lot of points before I really felt comfortable playing against Ohio yeah. State the way they're playing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, passes for both of us, but definitely an interesting game. If Penn State keeps it close, that'll get a lot of fun. It might be a blowout and you can uh, flip channels. Yep. A similar game, I think, you know, you could basically take everything I just said and apply it to this next game here. <laughs> Georgia versus Florida. This game is in Jacksonville. Georgia is a 14 and a half point favorite. So a kind of similar story. Uh, the books are saying, hey, here's a hook on Florida if you want it. Uh, what is your take on this one? Because Jared. So this will most likely be a play for me. Nothing official yet, um, but I am waiting to see where the total ends up on this game, and I want to play the over. Um, so right now it's about 50 and a half, 51 most places. Maybe if it goes to 52, I won't play the over. Um, but, you know, just based on the reputation of Georgia's defense, I'm hoping this drops down a point or so throughout the week. Uh, maybe goes down to 49 would be best case scenario. Uh, but where I'm kind of coming from with this is, look, Dan Mullen gets his offenses ready for big games. I mean, last year they put up 38 against AM, put up 44 against Georgia, put up 46 against Alabama in the SEC championship game. And put up 20, Alabama. Yeah, put up 29 against Alabama this year. So he, he is a fantastic X's and O's, draw up some plays uh, coach. So I think that they're going to be able to get to like 21 23 points i see this being something like a 31 23 game um so again just about anything under 52 i would probably play the over here i will probably make that pick again hoping it just comes down a little bit throughout the week yep and like i said same story for me the model says only 12 but i am not taking 14 and a half with florida no. um like I said, just rewind and listen to the same thing. Uh, Florida's a good team. Penn State's a good team. But in both cases, I am not willing to play against 
one of the outstanding two outstanding teams we have at this point yeah. um, in the country. So um, it is a pass for me on that one. And next up, Texas at Baylor. Baylor is a three-point favorite. What do you have for us here? So I'm definitely going to defer to the Big 12 expert uh, here on this podcast, which is which is not me. But all I can say is I'm really excited about this game. I'm really excited about the matchup between Steve Sarkeesian and uh, Dave Aranda. Uh, you know, even going back to their times at LSU and um, Alabama, they always had good matchups there. I, I think this is going to be really exciting. And I, I know verbatim last week, we said we don't like to prognosticate how the lines are going to move throughout the week. But you would just have to think that money would come in on Texas throughout the week, right? I mean, they, I assume they're such a, usually a heavy public favorite that this line would kind of move uh, in Texas's direction, right? I can see it dropping for sure um, because of what you just said. The model actually makes this Baylor minus 3.0. So carrying it to the 10th place, it has this game spot on. It is a pass for me. I have played Baylor often this season. I'm not playing them here. It has nothing to do with how I think they will look, how I think Texas will look. I tend to trust the model. The model says minus three. I think that's a pretty fair number. The more interesting thing to me about this game is I, and we said this before with Baylor and we were dead wrong on that game, but I think other than that one Oklahoma State game, we kind of know what we're getting with Baylor. I've been fairly spot on with them this season. They're pretty consistent. That game was just definitely an anomaly, at least that first half, which really threw them off. They did play a little bit better as the game closed on. Um, they're a really good team. They're easily a top 25 team, probably a top 20 team, depending on any metric you look at. Uh, they they have a chance to compete and get that second place or, or, or with any luck, first place, depending on how Oklahoma looks, because you never know what you're getting with them, right? Right. In the Big 12, they've got a chance to play for the title, and they may not because there's a couple of other good teams up there as well. Texas, on the other hand, I don't know what to make of them. They look amazing at times. And then yeah. they look downright confused. Sometimes usually tweet, in the same game. game, to game. Yeah, sometimes yeah. in the same game. So I don't know what to make of them. So uh, sometimes you'll see me, I can look at a number and I'll say the model says this, but I've been watching this team. I see this thing. Here's this way that I think it's going to go on this one. I feel pretty good about what I'm going to get for Baylor, but I have no idea what I'm going to get from Texas. To me, this feels like we've seen some of these Baylor teams play with a chip on their shoulder against Texas and win by 24. And I can totally see that happening, but if good Texas shows up all game, I wouldn't be surprised if they go on the road and get the win. So yeah. I well, don't know what to make of this one. Yeah. And you know, I have an uncle who probably won't want to hear me say this, but I feel like every, everything you just said about Texas, you could say about Texas for the past decade, right? Like <laughs> it's just amazing how nothing has changed in the past you, you years. Did. You just know, I no idea what you're going to get. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Of course, said uncle probably would say worse things about him since he's more of a pessimistic. <laughs> very, very true. <laughs> Moving on to our last game that we've put in the games you care about segment, North Carolina at Notre Dame. Notre Dame is a three and a half point home favorite. Uh, Cousin Jared, what do you have for us? Let's just go back to last week's podcast, replay our thought exercise that we had there, you know, envision what the NBC score bug says on a Notre Dame primetime game, you know, maybe take out the Clemson game last year because that was just crazy. Um, but official play for me here, I'm taking the under 62 and a half. Um, I can't see this getting too high scoring. North Carolina's offense just disappears at times this year. They have games where they look fantastic, like against Virginia. And then they have yeah. the opening game of the season against Virginia Tech, where it's just like, where, where, 
what is this team? They look nothing like the one that was last year, or even, you know, the team that shows up later in the year. So, um, and I definitely trust Notre Dame's defense way more than I trust North Carolina's offense for sure. So official play for me here, I'm taking the under 62 and a half. I was thinking the same thing. Let's rewind to last week's podcast. If you missed what we talked about there, I had a best bet on Notre Dame last week. I have a best bet on Notre Dame this week, <laughs> laying even fewer points against a better team. But I think this exact same thing applies. You had the under and you're, you're riding that horse again. I had yeah. Notre Dame. I'm riding that horse again. Model says it should be seven. And I think seven seems about right. If you said six, I'd say, sure, I, I'd buy that as well. Notre Dame is clearly the better team here at home. North Carolina is too inconsistent. Their yep. offense disappears and the offense tends to disappear against good defense defenses and or good teams yeah. whereas their offense tends to light teams up and they tend to kind of pad the metrics and look really efficient against the weaker defenses so I really think this is a situation where Notre Dame should be favored by a lot more than they are and so I think we're all we're all trying the same play and, and thinking it'll work out again for us and I see no reason why both of them don't work out just like last week yeah and and to tie it back to our last conversation like Notre Dame's like the exact opposite of Texas just super consistent you know exactly what you're going to get you're going to get like these games that aren't always visually appealing and some of them might be low scoring and ugly but they're questionable they're quarterback find, play <laughs> yeah but they're always going to find a way to win so yeah. it, it's just kind of funny how you could kind of you know diametrically opposed them to texas in some ways yeah absolutely absolutely all right moving on to our next segment you don't have to watch them to make the money this <laughs> is where you remind you that every winner pays the same even if it's not a sexy matchup and we are going to start off with a doozy right here <laughs> kansas at Oklahoma State, Oklahoma State is a 31-point home favorite. Cousin Jared, what's your pick on this? How are we going to make well, money on this nonsense? Well, come on. You know me. You know where I'm going with this one. So I official do, yes. play from me here, it's going to be the under 56 and a half. Um, I think that Oklahoma State, I could definitely see them getting a slow start um, after that You know, gut-wrenching loss to Iowa State. Great game um, this past weekend. I can see their offense having a bit of a hangover. I don't think I can see Oklahoma State's defense having any hangover. So to me, this feels like a game 20 to three at halftime, something like that. Everybody just kind of goes on cruise control and, you know, in the game as fast as they can. So again, I, I think this will pretty easily come under that 56 and a half number. It makes a lot of sense. Gundy in his younger days might've been a, a a guy in with and with some of his offenses in some of those previous teams to make yeah. this a 70 to three kind of game yeah. i don't think i don't think he cares about that anymore at this point he, i think he, he has a he has a he has a perpetual contract now he has a, yeah. <laughs> yeah well and he's at this point he's got to keep all his guys healthy yeah uh, i think i think he knows his offense is a little bit different so I, it's not that i don't see them you know, trying to score, but I, I think what you're saying makes a lot of sense. I don't see them, you know, you know, playing a hurry up offense, you know, like yep. the third quarter up by 21 points or whatever. Yep. I've got a lean here on Kansas plus 31. The model thinks 28 and a half. So we're getting a little mm. bit of value there. Also, just as you mentioned, let down spot for Oklahoma State. Any slow yeah. start here, 31 is a lot of points in a total of 56 and a half. It's not going to take much for you to have a Kansas plus 31 ticket in your hand and say, mathematically, I've got this covered. Last week, yeah. we saw this with, in the early slot with Navy and Kansas both. 
where they got uh, to a point where you just said in the second quarter, you just said, mathematically, I don't know how they lose against the right. spread because sure, the other team is going to come back and win. They did. And they came back and won in, in Cincinnati's case comfortably, but are they going to score enough to, to make up for that? Especially again, like you said, with the low total. So I think there's a lot to like here about Kansas plus 31, only a lean for me at a principle of uh, it's hard to do more than that with Kansas. Cause you never know when they're just going to lose yep. 56 to nothing. Yeah. But I think that makes, a, it makes a lot of sense. I think Kansas is a smart play here, knowing that that total is so low. Washington State at Arizona State. Arizona State is a 15-point favorite. What is your take on this one? So uh, nothing for me here as of yet, but I am waiting and, and hoping that this moves down so I could lay two touchdowns with Arizona State here. Uh, and I'm hoping that the model will maybe back me up and I can get some movement in that direction. Um, so, you know, politics and everything else, COVID-related aside, with everything else that's happened at Washington State the past couple of weeks, I, I have to think that this team is mentally drained after everything that they've been through, you know, the past 10 days or so. They fought so hard against BYU, uh, you know, very fortunate. Almost for had us it. Got, yeah, very fortunate for us to cover in that lane one and a half points and, yeah. and by two with BYU. Um, but they, they left it all on the field against BYU last week. They have a patchwork coaching staff, uh, something I hadn't thought about until um, – after Rolovich uh, was, was fired last week was they run the run and shoot offense. And it's like, how many run and shoot offensive guys are out there, right? Like trying to put together a coaching staff on the fly like that. I, I think I can't imagine ha having to go through what they're going through right now and kind of get that continuity and get everybody on the same page. And I think it's a terrible spot. I hope I'm talking to you out of uh, any pick that you might be making here, by the way, an absolutely <laughs> terrible spot. I mean, going on the road against a team coming off a of bye who got their butts kicked in the last game, talking about Arizona State against Utah two weeks ago. I think Arizona State's going to have a real bad taste in their mouth. And so I could see this one getting out of hand in a hurry. Um, but, you know, for me, there's just no reason to jump on that 15 right now when hopefully I can just wait a few days and maybe catch a 14 at some point. Yeah, and everything you said makes sense. The model thinks this should be 12, which says that you might get to that 14 that you're looking for. But yeah. I am actually taking Washington State plus 15, kind of for all the reasons you said why you don't want to take lay the 15. That 14 mm -hmm. is a really key number. So at this point, I like Washington State plus 15. If it was down to 14, it would be a pass for me. But it's an official pick there simply because I can see this game falling at 14. It's a key number in a game like this. What you said makes a lot of sense. You do have to remember that the players at Washington State all are playing for jobs next year as well they're playing yeah. for you know to get drafted obviously many of them won't but I mean they're all still playing for something and so it's one of those yeah. things where until they collapse I'm not going to take that into account mm -hmm. it may come though we've seen this with other coaching staffs who've been let yeah. go for one reason or another whether it's right at the start of the season or in the middle of the season it could yeah. come if it does then it becomes a situation where I don't think you play them you know, going forward, yeah. but they played really well last week. I don't, I don't know if they will this week or not, but until that happens, because I'm on the right side of that 14, I like yeah. it. But yeah. just as you said, if it gets under 14, then it definitely becomes a pass for me. And I can see why he would lay the points there with Arizona yeah. state. Uh, it is one of those names that, you know, we could both be winners on if it, if it, if the line does drop, because it could, like we said, it could lay a lot of 14. Um, one more game out west in this segment. Boise State is at Colorado State. Uh, Cousin Jared, what is your pick on this one? 
official play for me here, I am laying two points with Boise State here. So Boise has been Jekyll and Hyde this season. It's almost literally been one terrible performance followed up by one great performance and then a terrible one and then a great one. And their last performance against Air Force was pretty bad. So I'm counting on a turnaround here and getting the good Boise State um, this week. Plus, and I kind of teased this at the beginning of the show, Colorado State, if I'm a player at Colorado State, I am not feeling great about how that game against Utah State ended. I don't know if anybody saw this. Uh, you, should, you should outlay it for our listeners because we didn't yeah, talk about it at I'm, the start. We, we, it, was, I, yeah. it was bad. It yeah. was bad. So, so Colorado State gets a first down with about 20 seconds left in the game. They have no timeouts left. They're definitely in field goal range. And they're down one or two. They're down, they're down two. Two. And again, first down with 20 seconds left. No timeouts, plenty of time to run up, spike the ball, and then run your field goal unit on. For some reason, they decide not to spike the ball. And with their 20 remaining seconds, they try to run the entire field goal unit on, get the holder in place, get the kicker, you know, get his steps done, get him in. Some place, of the guys on the offense didn't realize they were doing that hung around yeah. on the field until the last minute, then they're, they're scrambling off. I mean, it yeah, was there, there's chaos. people There's people running 15 different directions, and somehow through all of this, they still snap the ball with like eight seconds left on the clock. Like, it was awful. And if I'm a player for Colorado State, I'm thinking, what the heck are my coaches doing? Like, just throw your hand at the ground. Tell them to spike the ball. Like, it's not that difficult. This seems like, you know, any – 10-year-old that's played Madden would know how to do this. So anyway, again, I'm mostly making this bet because I think Boise is just going to turn around like they have done every game this year, and they're going to get a good Boise this week um, after a bye. But, man, if I'm a Colorado State player, I have got some questions this week. I think everything that you said there makes sense. Um, the model thinks it should be one and a half, uh, so the model has it pegged straight on. But I probably – I probably would lean the same direction as you on that one. Uh, Boise State has been a confusing team, but yep. they are they are better than Colorado State. And if there is any lingering effects from that last week, don't overthink it here or laying a short number, right? Just pick the better team. Uh, that would definitely be Boise State. So I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, our next game, UTEP at Florida Atlantic. Florida Atlantic is a 12-point uh, favorite. Uh, where's your head on this one? So this is another number that I'm waiting on. I'm waiting on a total of 48. I would like to play the under. I'm afraid that may be gone. Um, it was at 49 even as of a few hours ago when I logged onto my computer. It was down to 47 and a half. Like I said, that 48 may be gone. Um, but I, if I can get it 48, I want to play the under there. Um, so Florida Atlantic has just forgotten how to play offense at times this year. Um, it's, it's very strange. I know you had a huge edge with them against Air Force earlier in the season that just seemed really strange. And sure enough, Air Force beat them handily. And, you know, I think that might have been one where the edge was so big, it, you know, it didn't make any sense. Um, so they've, they've had their problems this year for sure. And, you know, I really wanted to take the points with UTEP here because, you know, we've we've made some money off UTEP this year, but uh, they're just at such a talent disadvantage here. If Florida Atlantic can kind of get their stuff together, uh, you know, they they outclass UTEP by a, a decent amount. So, you know, 
I don't know if I trust UTEP to keep this close if FAU's on their game, but I do trust UTEP's defense to at least limit FAU's offense enough uh, to come in under that 48 number. So just hoping that that 48 pops up again somewhere. I, I'm, I am taking UTEP uh, and plus 12 as an official pick. The model thinks it should be 11. Uh, as you mentioned, low total, low total, getting a decent amount of points. I think it yeah. makes a lot of sense. I think they can keep it close as well. Lots of ways that this is a winner. It could finish at seven. It could finish at 10. It could finish at 11. So I like yep. UTEP plus 12. Obviously, I'd like a 13 or a 14, but I'm not going to get too greedy here, especially again with a total of 48. Yeah. There won't be that many points. So UTEP doesn't have to score that many and, and you're set. Yep. So I like UTEP there. SMU at Houston. This is a pick em. What's your play on this one? Everybody. Get on the Houston undertrained people. I'm telling you, it, it will be profitable for you, I promise. Official play for me here, I am taking the under 63. I have no idea why these Houston games keep getting these totals in the 60s. Um, this is a bet, best bet for me. I think my fifth one of the season. I love this. Again, Houston plays slow. Their defense is good and, and very similar to some of the other teams that we've talked about earlier. Their offense just disappears at, at times. I mean, I think there were 21 points scored in that ECU-Houston game last week in like the first eight minutes or 10 minutes of the game, and I still cruised easily to like the under 58 and a half there. Um, again, this is people getting caught up. It's Holgerson. He's an offensive guy. He's an air raid disciple. And an SMU offense, which I will say is, is very good. But Houston's defense has been playing good. SMU doesn't see very many defenses with the caliber of talent that, that Houston does. So um, I think this is going to be a lot more low scoring than people anticipate. And I feel very good about the under 63 here. And you talked about that game last week. There was that weather delay. Yeah. I didn't watch in any of it, but I did see it on my score update. And the way that the numbers kept coming in early, I just assumed that ESPN or Yahoo or whoever, right, had gotten delayed of the updating and they were just like update. I didn't look at the time. I just was assuming that they were like, oh, they'd forgotten and things had yeah. been bad with the weather. And it was yeah. like seven, nothing, seven, seven, 14, seven. And I was like, oh, they're just like putting in all the scores now. And like, it's actually the third yeah. quarter. No, yeah. it was like, you said it was all just like bang, bang, bang. And then it stopped. And I, then I was like, oh, I guess there's another weather delay. Yeah. Like I, I just thought the whole game was confusing the way that played out. Yeah. Um, I, I am passing on this one. The model has it pretty spot on there that SMU is the better team, but Houston is at home. I mean, listen to what Cousin Jerry just said. I think he makes a lot of sense. I wholeheartedly endorse what he said. I have nothing else to add and no official thing <laughs> of my own. So yeah, just rewind and listen to that again. I think he said it yeah. really well. Uh, UCF at Temple. Central Florida is a 10 and a half point favorite. Uh, Cousin Jerry, how are we going to make the monies on this one? Okay, so I... Well, okay. First of all, official play for me here. I am laying the 10 and a half points with, with UCF. Uh, official pick for me. So... I'm, I, I don't like calling out individual players. Um, I think maybe the only person that I've really done that much with this year is uh, the Martinez quarterback at, at Nebraska, but I have also been right every time on that, but that's neither here nor there. Um, I watched a lot of the Temple-Memphis game from a few weeks ago where I had the under, got the, had the bad beat on that one, and Temple's offense looked pretty good that game. The following week or maybe two weeks later, I watched a lot of the Temple uh, Cincinnati game because I had the under 54 and a half, another bad beat, ironically. Um, uh, I had the under 54 and a half. Maybe, maybe Temple is the 55. problem and not yeah, Memphis. Maybe, maybe Temple is the problem. But, but <laughs> where I'm going with this was 
Temple only scored three points against Cincinnati. I, I'm not going to say there's anything necessarily wrong with that. Temple's or Cincinnati's defense is very good. At the end of that game, Temple's quarterback looked broken. He looked like he wasn't sure if he wanted to be in the game. He was, you know, putting passes in the ground right in front of receivers. He was throwing it way over their heads. Just something looked way off. And I realized after you said, because you mentioned earlier that you, you were on the wrong side with Temple last week against South Florida, I should have made stopped you from, from making that bet. Um, probably more information than we need to share here, but, you know, Bet the Board has, has their college best bet every week. Um, they gave out Temple last week. That was the first time maybe ever that I've just thought Bet the Board was wrong. Mm. And I, I ended up being right on that one. I, for me, this is just as much a bet against, I'm not sure what Temple's going to be able to do on offense. I don't trust their quarterback to really put up that many points at all. And on the other side, UCF, I think they're, finally starting to get their get their footing um, without Gabriel in at quarterback they're starting to run the ball a lot better um, so I can see this game being you know 31 to 14 or something like that and I think UCF you know cruises pretty easily here so I'm laying the 10 and a half points it's a lean for me on UCF so I'm with you there the model thinks 12 and a half the only reason it's not an official play is it's it's 10 and a half and not 10 if it's 10 it's an official play but right now mm where the number is, it is 10 So just a lean there. Uh, I took UCF last week and it worked. I mentioned last week, go back and listen to the tape. Yeah. I said, I think that the numbers finally caught up to UCF that they hadn't last week was the first time they covered all season. Yeah. I think I said, I think the numbers finally caught up to them and now is the time to start playing them. It worked. I think the same thing this week and everything you said about Temple is accurate. I've been on yeah. uh, them a couple times and it has not gone well. I don't think the numbers caught up to just how bad uh, Temple is. So yep. I think that UCF is the right side here as well. So a lean for me, UCF minus 10 and a half. And then our last one of this segment, one that is definitely not a sexy matchup, Louisiana Monroe at Appalachian State. Appalachian State is a 27-point favorite. Cousin Jared, yeah. where's your head for us on this one? So this is another one that, that I'm watching uh, right now. The total is at 59. If it gets down to 50 eight or definitely 57 and a half i'm probably playing the over here uh we got to the window a few weeks ago with a louisiana monroe georgia state over uh there both teams like to play really fast I, I feel like uh you could just go back however many weeks now where i got the over on a marshall app state game and i could literally replay all of that for you right here um louisiana monroe plays extremely fast they're very volatile they may score 10 points they may score 40 points you really don't know um, they're very inconsistent um, but they play really fast, a lot of possessions, App State, people think they just, you know, run the ball, run down the clock, but they're very efficient. They pass the ball pretty well with Chase Bryce. So um, this game, if if ULM puts up any points at all, um, I think that over 58 could hit. So again, a number I'm waiting on right now, it's at 59. If it gets to 58 or 57 and a half, I'm probably playing the over here. All right. It's an official play for me on Louisiana Monroe plus 27. I've had edges on Louisiana Monroe for the last several weeks. I have been very hesitant to play them because the numbers have been big and those have scared me off. The model thinks it should be 21 and a half. And so it's been working. And so I'm going to hop on board. Hopefully it's not too late. Right. Better late than never, I guess, right? But uh, Louisiana yeah. Monroe has been playing pretty well. Like you said, they're volatile. They're volatile even within the same game. They just need <laughs> to get a little bit of things going here. One half or the other doesn't really matter. Yeah. 
and they can cover such a big number. Obviously, I'd like plus 28, but plus 27 is pretty solid because once you get up to those bigger numbers, uh, a score like 27 is very possible, so we still have to push protection. Yeah, going, going back to our Week Zero podcast here, uh, so pop quiz on this. You remember who the offensive coordinator is at ULM? Oh, yes, this was uh, what, like Terry Bowden or something, right? Oh, well, okay. He's, he's the head coach. Offensive coach, there you go. Rich Rodriguez. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Another name that I feel like had completely fallen apart from. Yes, yes, uh, exactly. Know, divorced from college football, it seemed like. And all of a sudden, it's nah, Still around, still around. Still around, still around. <laughs> all right, and that wraps up that segment. Uh, on to our next segment here, the one I call Divergence. The segment where somebody is brave enough to go head to head against the model. And look, we have a doozy for you on this one. Uh, a little recap to last week. It played out on Twitter. So if you're following us on Twitter there, you saw this. You saw it play out in the spreadsheet if you look, but you didn't really get any of the commentary on it. But last week, Pittsburgh plays Clemson. Pittsburgh is a four-point favorite, I believe, when the show aired. And I said, I'm waiting for it to drop. I think people are going to foolishly put money on Clemson. Yeah. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, Cousin Jared here tweets that he's going to take Clemson plus three and a half. And I'm like, I, I said the fools are the ones putting the money on Clemson. And, and, I, and I had been fading Clemson all year. <laughs> and you had been fading them all year. Yeah. I come out and I said, you know what, I'm just going to lay the three and a half. And I didn't see it getting to three, ever did. I said, I'm going to lay the three and a half with Pittsburgh. And, I, and then I even tweeted, though, I said, you know, I think this is going to be my one regret of the week that I didn't make this a best bet. I talked about how yeah. this should be a seven point spread. I said, if you, if you flip the jerseys, it probably would be double digits based off the way they played this year. I said, let's just lay it with Pittsburgh. So we had a divergence on Twitter there rather than on the podcast. Uh, so all that said, we're talking Florida State Clemson here. And so it's clear one of us is on which on, on both sides. Uh, but yeah. the answer may surprise you, cousin Jared. Yeah, away. so official play for me here. I am taking the 10 points with Florida State. Uh, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame <laughs> on me. Not falling for that again. It, it, although I do have to somewhat defend myself, if not for that <laughs> stupid, idiotic interception where he just pitched it right to the defense. I mean, completely that, that was a wild, that was an awesome play uh, from my, yeah, from my yeah. standpoint, at least. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. From your standpoint. I mean, I, you know, I, does that change the game? I, I don't know. It plays completely different after then, but it's just like, really, you can go back to that one play and be like, I'm not sure, uh, kind of like how I opened up the show here. I'm not sure that I was right or wrong on, on that one, but I don't think it was a terrible play. But yeah, I, I'm not making that mistake again, though. I mean, fading Clemson has been profitable all season. And Florida State's kind of getting their stuff together. They're playing better than they were at the beginning of the season anyway. So, you know, Clemson has shown me nothing to make me think they can blow any team out. So, sure, give me 10 points of Florida State here. Yeah, so I'm, I'm laying the 10 with Clemson. It's only a lean. Um, so, as with last week's divergent section, only a lean. So, a smaller unit play for me. The reason it's not an official normal pick for me, uh, the model says 12, by the way. So, the model does like Clemson on this one. The reason it's not an official play I'm nervous about Clemson giving up. I don't think they mm. will. They have, like we talked about before, they have, they have too many. I, normally, I don't want to project that teams give up. It's one of those things where some teams do, but more times than not, they don't. So if you start projecting that they will, you're going to be wrong more than you're right. So I, I never want to project that. But you have to wonder with Clemson, with how many playoffs they've been to, titles they've won, championships they've played for, conference championships, they've, they've, they've won the ACC like 100 years in a row, it seems like. Yeah. You have to wonder if that's going to affect them. And if it's going to affect them, it would be this week. Because even last week, as bad as things were, if they take care of business last week, they're still in really good shape. Now they're not. Now it's one of those 
you know, we're beyond the writing is on the wall, you know, yeah. the judge has spoken that sort of thing. And so that's my only fears. I'm just a little bit nervous in that regard of if it just takes one or two lapses of judgment, as we saw last week, and the game can completely swing. So a little nervous there. So it's only, you know, again, a smaller play for me. But that being said, Clemson is still a much better team. They have fallen in my rankings, so I am accounting for how well they've played this year, which isn't very good at all. Uh, I think this is a little bit of an overreaction to last week. I think this is a little bit of, oh, Florida State's got their stuff together. I still don't think they're very good. Yes, they beat the crap out of UMass last week. What does that mean? Um, So I'm still thinking that Clemson is a much better team. So I'm laying the 10 with Clemson on the lane and uh, we'll, we'll get to discuss this again in the week and see. Yeah. We, we, yeah. Every week we spend way more time on Clemson than we should. I'm yeah, sure exactly. we will next week too. Yeah. Um, and that is, that is the end of the divergent section. So we're going to move on to uh, some quick hitter picks. Uh, I will start with two best bets and then I'll move into regular plays. My two best bets of this segment, Oregon State minus one at California. The model thinks four and a half. And so I really like Oregon State there. That's a best bet up to two and a half. At three, it becomes a regular play. California looked really good last week. They are starting to look good, but I think people are forgetting that Oregon State still might be the best team in the Pac-12 North. North. Might be the best team there. So I think they go into California and get it done. I think they're still pretty good. The other best bet, Indian at Maryland. Maryland minus three. It's a best bet at that number, but no more. The model thinks it should be five. I don't think Indiana's very good at all. We've talked about this in weeks past. I think they are just really struggling. I don't see them winning on the road, and so I'm not afraid to lay three. It might land at three, but I'm not going to overthink this. Um, the Maryland, I think, is the right side here at home against a really bad Indiana team. The, the only Maryland game I've watched this year was Iowa. So for me, that is a hold your nose and lay the points there. Yeah, the Iowa game was terrifying. I assume yeah. that Maryland won't have five turnovers in the first half yeah, and lose like whatever. several key players in the first half. So yeah, yeah. as long as we can avoid that fate, right? Yeah. Uh, the remaining games in this segment are all regular plays for me, not best bets. Uh, Purdue plus seven at Nebraska. The model thinks five and a half. I like it because it's getting the seven at six and a half. I don't, I, it's a pass, but getting the seven, this game could easily land there. I don't really know what to make of either one of these teams. I think this should be a close game. So when you can get seven points, I like it. Iowa at Wisconsin, Wisconsin minus three is the pick. We've talked about Iowa and Wisconsin ad nauseum on this podcast the model thinks this should be wisconsin minus five and a half are either one of these teams good i don't really know i think wisconsin's probably a little bit better Uh, they've really struggled with the turnover luck when they finally got the turnover luck going for them this last week they ran away from purdue Uh, so i'm going to lay the three with wisconsin kind of the same thing with maryland i think they're the better team at home don't overthink it although with these two teams it could easily be a wonky one-point game and I would just yeah. shake my head and discuss at the Big Ten again. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, another Iowa team here, Iowa State at West Virginia. I am taking West Virginia plus seven. The model only thinks it should be plus six and a half. I think this is a letdown spot for Iowa State after last yeah. week. West Virginia maybe starting to play a little bit better, looked a lot better last week. Again, getting a full touchdown. I like the fact that you're getting a full touchdown on a game that could easily yeah. end at seven, so I've got some push protection there. Yeah, after West Virginia and TCU last week, I'm done with both those teams now. So I, after last week, I'm done with TCU. West Virginia made me go, hmm. <laughs> so uh, again, I like getting the seven here, mainly the spot yeah. being a letdown spot for Iowa State. Yeah. 
uh, after that huge win last week. Those players were just elated at the end of that game and the drama that unfolded there. Uh, Louisville plus seven at North Carolina State is the play. My model thinks only plus six. Same thing. I love getting the plus seven. If this model, if this number drops throughout the week, I don't recommend it. I like it at the seven, though, with the push protection. Uh, Missouri at Vanderbilt. I'm going to try Vanderbilt one more time at plus 17. (sighs) Missouri's 0-6 against the spread. The model thinks this should be Missouri minus 10 and a half. I'm going to pause there just for a second. As bad as Vanderbilt has been, the model only thinks Missouri should be a 10 and a half point favorite in this game. Yeah, it doesn't seem right. I mean, Missouri has really struggled this year. They, Vanderbilt, they can't stop oh, anybody on defense. They can't. And so this is definitely one of those games that's going to be ugly to watch. But I think yeah. 17 is too many points. So I'm taking the plus 17 with Vanderbilt. As long as you're getting over 14, I think that's the smart play. It may not win. Sometimes yeah. smart plays don't win. Yeah. Another similar situation, Colorado. I'm going to take 26 and a half at Oregon. The model thinks 22. Similar idea, letdown spot for Oregon potentially after last week. Oregon also has really struggled to put away some of these weaker teams. Yeah, yeah. This would just fit the pattern of Oregon games from earlier in the season. Absolutely, absolutely. It's one of those things where they look better against a team like UCLA, a team like Ohio State. But against a team that they're supposed to blow out, they don't. So they may. We just we've been saying this all season, waiting for them to do it. They haven't. So again, the model thinks only plus twenty-two. So I'm going to take the twenty-six with Colorado and say, I dare Oregon to finally blow the doors off of someone because I haven't done it yet. Mm. Staying out west, Hawaii plus six and a half is my play at Utah State. The model thinks only one and a half. The model thinks these two teams are a lot closer in talent and how they've played than the books apparently do. So I'll take the plus six and a half. I would have loved to have gotten plus seven. That number came off the board pretty early on though. And it's dropped to six and a half. I still think six and a half is a smart play though. So I'm taking that. North Texas plus three at Rice. The model thinks it should be a pick The model thinks North Texas is a better team, but Rice is at home. So if you're giving me a field goal, I will take it. Another situation where I like the number. I don't know where these numbers are going. I don't know how long they will last. But at plus three, I think you've got that push protection there. That makes a lot of sense. So I think that's a smart play. And then the last one for me in this segment, Florida International plus 22 at Marshall. The model thinks only plus 20. So getting across that 21 makes a lot of sense. Um, Florida International got us a backdoor last week. So that's on the table very much so again this week. So I have no reason to think that they won't try for it again. And uh, it'd be, an, it'd be a, nice, uh, a nice repeat performance there for us. And then, Cousin Jared, I know you've got some extra picks, so the floor is yours. Yeah, so first one, Virginia Tech, Georgia Tech. I am taking the over 54 and a half. I have no idea why this is at 54 and a half. I will read you the totals from the Georgia Tech games this season, not including the game against Clemson. Clearly, Clemson's in its own category. Defensively, Uh, right, yeah. And offensively, I guess. (laughs) Not not in a good way. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Everybody who plays Georgia Tech all of a sudden has an amazing offense, except Clemson. So uh, ACC games this year, excluding Clemson, we have a total of 67. We have a total of 73 we have a total of 58 and last week when i told you to take the over 61 and a half that game ended at 88 against virginia so i am telling you people go grab the over 54 and a half with virginia tech and georgia tech and then the other game i will be taking the under 59 and a half at tcu at kansas state this feels like a replay of last week for both teams with me. Um, you know, the TCU playing West Virginia and Kansas State playing Tech. 
Both of those games went easily under. I don't see why this game wouldn't go under as well. Can't believe this is near 60. Um, so again, under 59 and a half TCU at Kansas State. Two more games that I am watching. I don't know if I will make a pick on them, but the lines caught my eye. Uh, the first one, Wyoming getting three points on the road at San Jose State. This feels like a overreaction to Wyoming losing to New Mexico last week. Don't get me wrong. New Mexico is very bad, but San Jose State is also very bad. This will be a very low-scoring game, so the thought of potentially getting a field goal or what I'm really hoping for more, maybe like four points, I would really like that. And I'm hoping as the week goes on, people realize, oh, Wyoming lost to New Mexico. Um, this line should move, you know against them. So uh, I'm hoping to get maybe three and a half or four with Wyoming there. And then Texas Tech and Oklahoma, total of 68 and a half. Now, anybody who's been listening to this regularly knows I have been riding the Texas Tech under train and it has been uh, profitable for me. My concern here is Oklahoma at home after a wake-up call against Kansas they might score 63 points themselves. Who knows if this gets to like 69 or 70, I probably won't be able to stop myself, but I'm not sure. Um, so anyway, right now the Texas Tech Oklahoma total is at 68 and a half. That may be a play for me later in the week if it moves up. All right, I've got, I've got two comments there. Number one, Wyoming, I think everything that you said there, I would echo. I looked at where the number was, where the model made it. It made it right around three, but I had the exact same thoughts as you. So I think, uh, Cousin Jared, I think you and I will have kind of mirroring picks there. If the line goes up, I think we will both be kind of doing the same thing, keeping an eye on that one as well. Um, interesting note, we're talking about the Big 12. I just feel like I should add this in. It's an interesting conference, uh, aside from the fact that it's only got 10 teams, right? You've got a top four that I guess Oklahoma is number one, but it, you wouldn't be surprised if they lost to any of those next three. Those next yep. three being Oklahoma State, Iowa State, Baylor, who are all pretty interchangeable, all pretty good, literally all yep. beaten each other, and none of them have a loss to anyone but each other. Hmm. None of them played Oklahoma yet either. So you've got Oklahoma, yep. you've got these next three teams, Oklahoma State, Iowa State, Baylor, you're like, I don't know, shuffle them around. You have Texas next, who could easily have competed for the title and yeah. some moments looks like one of the worst teams in the conference don't know what to do with him and then you have those those four you talked about shuffling some of these matchups tcu kansas state tech and west virginia another four that i would yeah. shuffle and i would say all those teams are kind of interchangeable i feel like yeah. we make it to the end of the season and, and say yeah clearly one of them is you know better or worse than the other but i don't know what to make of any of those four nope they're all kind of about the same, which is why I like taking um, seven with West Virginia. They're playing a better team, but one of those, I don't know what I'm getting with them, but hey, you're giving me a touchdown at home. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. But otherwise, those teams are just kind of confusing. And so, uh, and of course, Keen's at the bottom, who, yeah. you know, yeah, no, no yeah. need to talk about them. Um, <laughs> and then for our last segment here, After Dark, if you're a night out who loves college football, this is a segment for you. And we have games to talk about this week. We have four yeah. of them as opposed to last week uh we're going to kick it off with virginia making a rare appearance at the after dark segment here this game's going to kick off at you know what's going to feel like 3 a.m for them hopefully they're getting out uh to utah a little bit earlier in the week to, to let their bodies adjust to this one uh so virginia at byu byu is a three-point favorite uh what do you have for us here yeah, I just got my eye on the total here. It opened at 66 or 66 and a half. That definitely would have been an underplay for me at that number. It's down to 64. 
<sighs> I mean, I can't see Virginia putting up a ton. Like, I can't see Virginia putting up the points that they've put up against some of these ACC teams against BYU. But at the same time, like, I can't see Virginia stopping BYU if BYU wants to run the ball. Um, so I'm kind of toying around with the idea of the under here. It's a total of 64. But other than that, I'm pretty excited about this game. BYU, you know, kind of been doing really great and then kind of hit, you know, coming down to earth a little bit and then regrouped because against a Pac-12 team, of course, against Washington State last week. Um, I think it's going to be a good game. I'm excited. Uh, this is one of the after dark games, especially after not having one last week. I, I'm really excited about this one. Yeah, and all four after dark games have uh, under touchdown spreads, which is also rare. Usually these after dark oh, yeah. segments, we end up with a bunch of 28, 31 type spreads too. So yeah, a lot yep. to be excited about. I'm going to say the same thing here. I've said about BYU for three weeks, four weeks running now. I don't even know. I feel like every every week we talk about BYU, it's the same thing. When they leave playing, when they're not playing teams in the, in the Mountain West or the Pac-12, they're in a different class and they're going to struggle. Mm-hmm. You saw it against Baylor. They did not match up. Now playing an ACC team, they're not going to match up. Well, not that the ACC mm-hmm. is amazing, but I think that Virginia is just in a different class than these teams like the Washington States of the world that they played last week. The model backs that up. The model thinks that Virginia should be a two and a half point road favorite. So if you're giving wow. me three points here, I know it's on the road, but if you're giving, and I know BYU is a tough place to play, I've got them coded in as a three point home foot advantage instead of the usual two and a half. And I still think that Virginia should be a two and a half point favorite this is a best bet for me my last one of the wow. show virginia plus three getting that field goal i love it if you're only getting plus two and a half it's a large discrepancy between the number but it's at numbers that don't mean a whole lot so at plus two and a half I, I like it i still like it it's still a five point difference between what i think the number is and what the books make the number but you're crossing a lot of numbers that don't mean a lot so it, it, it means less getting plus three i love this pick right here we'll see if I'm right again, but I've, I've, I've been nailing this. BYU is going to do really well against the Pac-12 teams or do well against the Mountain West teams, but they're going to struggle when they play yeah. teams of a different caliber. And I think Virginia, while they've had their struggles offensively, is just in a different class than these Pac-12 teams that they've played. And I think that they will be able to move the ball against a good BYU defense, but move the ball better than yeah. the teams that BYU is used to playing. Yep. Sticking in U- the state of Utah, Utah is playing host to a UCLA team that, if you know how to peg that team or what to make of them, then yeah, more power to you. Exactly. I don't really know. Utah is yeah. a five point home favorite. Uh, what do you have for us on this one? I was ready to jump on Utah in this game. Cannot believe where this line is at. Um, I think Utah has been playing a lot better since they made the change at quarterback earlier this season so I like I said I was prepared to to take I thought I was going to be getting a point or two uh, with them at home I can't believe where this line is at Uh, I think it's gonna be a good game so yeah another after dark game that I'm excited about man I I was completely caught off guard by this line especially after losing last week you would have thought that you could have gotten a better number on Utah it's a pass for me the model thinks Utah minus four so there's not enough of an edge there for for me to touch this I'm curious to see where this number goes five is a really interesting number or a place for this number to be this early in the week a little bit less so in college I guess in the NFL but five being such a dead number you you assume this is going to be four or six, not five. So I think this is one of those things where if the number drops, Utah becomes enticing. 
maybe people will think like we are though and they'll say that's a dead number i'm still taking utah i think they're the better team and this number jumps i don't know where the number's going i'm yeah. really interested to yeah. see um and, and and a game that i think will be really interesting but i don't know what to make of ucla whatsoever i've backed them a lot this year to pretty 50 50 results so yeah. uh, they're not a team that I'm, I'm eager to back at this point washington at stanford uh, washington whoa i mean yeah, it took my first loss on Washington. Yeah. Week. Yeah. I um, mean, a, a, a Washington team, you know, just real quick before you get into this here, you know, playing at Arizona, I don't know if y'all saw this game. It was a late uh, late Friday night game. Yeah. They closed, I think, 18 points. We laid 16, closed 18. Another one of the situations I talked about at the start where we got a good number early in the week, told you to, to told y'all to take that good number, and then it crosses through a key number at 17, gets to a key, a quasi-key number at 18 and needed some spectacular play at the end just to win at an Arizona yeah. team that I thought was left for dead. A situation yeah. where if Washington loses that game, you have to wonder if they're firing their head coach. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. Uh, I took my first loss with Washington last week. Um, so, man, on this game, when I saw this line, I was like, this is begging me to lay two points with Stanford. Why would I bet on a Washington team that had that kind of display against Arizona? More I thought about it. Washington, I mean, you, you can't tell me otherwise. Washington thought they were going to come in and run over Arizona. They saw what Colorado did to Arizona the week before. They thought they could come in there and give 50% effort and, and run them over. And that just was, was not the case. At halftime, they got it turned around. They outscored him 21 to three in the second half. If they would have played like that from the outset of the game, they cover I would, easily. They cut well, number one, yeah, number one, they cover easily, and that that's and, winner. And this and this line isn't Stanford and, minus two. And exactly. And so in my mind, I'm disregarding that first half from Washington last week. They were just simply sleepwalking. The second half is more what I anticipated. And this line makes more sense. With that being said, I'm not touching it <laughs> because I don't trust Washington. Obviously, you know, this was the first time I actually bet on Washington this season. I've taken a lot of unders. I bet against Washington. It's the first time I'm on Washington. Not eager to do that again. I'm it wasn't, a fun, not, it wasn't a fun ride. <laughs> it wasn't a fun ride. I also do not endorse uh, betting on Stanford just with what we've seen from them this season. So inconsistent back and forth. I'm starting to be in Jack's camp where I'm not touching anything with the Pac-12 <laughs> potentially. So anyway, this is a stay away um, for me. Um, but just to let y'all know my thought process here and why I'm not jumping on that uh, two point, laying the two points with Stanford. Yeah, this is a game that for uh... – you know, you're not having a play on. I have a lean on it. Uh, we're going to talk a lot, probably more than we should about it. But everything you said, I think, is is spot on. I think this game is Washington minus three if they played the first half like they played the second half. That's where I think mm. this number is. And I think you see that if they had taken care of business last week and you say that seems pretty fair. It's a pass for different for completely different reasons at a completely different number. Everything you said is spot on. The model thinks this should be a pickle. So A, I'm getting some value taking Washington plus two. B, my model tends to dislike Washington so that it mm. likes Washington now, again, is more most of the time a good sign for me. C or three, I don't even know how I'm, how I'm numbering this, <laughs> the lettering this at this point. The third point I'd like to make here on this game 
You make a good point about the players not showing up in the first half last week. Who is that on? That's on the coaches. The yeah. coaches got them turned around at the half. The coaches are hearing all the chattering about their you know, future potential employment. This is a situation where having an extra day to prep, they should be prepared. This should be the most intense week of practice they've got. Everything points to Washington here. It's a lean for me, Washington plus two. It's nothing more than that for two reasons. Number one, I'd rather get plus three and protect myself there than I like it a little bit more. But the main thing, just as you said, I don't trust this team. I don't trust Stanford. I don't trust either one of these teams. So I'm going to put my money where my mouth is and say, I am going to make a stake on Washington plus two, but it's going to be at a reduced amount just because I don't really trust either one of these teams. And so I'm not going to be a fool and go ahead and put the normal, you know, make a normal wager. And I'm going to recommend a half wager here, just a lean Washington plus two. And our last game, what should be a doozy here, Fresno yeah. State at undefeated San Diego State. Uh, this is San Diego State is out to a one-point favorite. You're basically picking the winner of this one. Uh, yeah. Where is your head on this one, Cousin Jared? Yeah, so, man, I, I, I went and I pulled up the Fresno State schedule. And to think what could have been if Fresno State didn't have those six turnovers at Hawaii a few weeks ago, we would have a one-loss Fresno State team with only a seven-point loss to Oregon against an undefeated San Diego State team. Um, a seven-point reg- loss to Oregon that they could have, maybe should have won in UG. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. Um, so I think this is going to be a fantastic game. If Fresno State wants to win their division and go to the Mountain West Championship game, this is a game they have to have. Uh, ironically, Boise State will determine who plays in the Mountain West Championship game from the West division, because both San Diego state and Fresno state both still have to play Boise state. Um, I think this is going to be a fantastic game. No play for me here, man. San Diego state's defense looks really good. Um, I think this is going to be low scoring. I think it's going to be a a good game to watch, man. A lot of interesting after dark games this week. Like this is a way to come back from the bye on, on uh, after dark uh, with a lot of good games. By far the best after dark slate we've had all season. Yeah. Not even close. I'm going to close this out here with an official pick, San Diego State minus one. Uh, the model thinks it should be minus two. I'm not overthinking it. I'm I'm taking the side that I think is going to win. I think that's San Diego State. I think these two teams are pretty even, but I really like the way San Diego State has been playing lately. We talked about this from the start that they, uh, or throughout the season, that they started off a little bit slow. I like the way they're going. I think they're the right side. I think that they should be a bigger favorite because I think that they're going to have um, a a sizable home edge here, given the fact that, like you said, everyone knows the importance of this game. Everybody's going to be just completely jacked up for it. So I think the San Diego State's the right side. I I think don't overthinking, especially at a a small number like this, pick the winner. I think San Diego State wins this game. Well, do do you know uh, the nickname for San Diego State in some of the college football circles? It is. No. Group of five, Iowa. Group of five, <laughs> Iowa. Oh, is it, I guess that means that they show up in the big games and they can let you down in the, in the weaker in, games. Is that yeah, or, or score 10 offensive points and somehow score 14 with defense and special teams and cruise to a victory. Yeah. There you go. I had, I had not heard that one. That's, that's yeah. news to me. Yeah. 
All right. Well, that wraps us up for another episode of Picks with the Professor. I am Professor Sides for Cousin Jared. I'd like to thank you for tuning in. Please subscribe or follow if you aren't already. And remember, you can eat your betting money, but please don't bet your eating money.